you know that uh, over the last couple of weeks, while many of us were getting ready for Christmas, your session was hard at work and uh, putting together a search committee and a uh, job description for new choir directors, so we're underway with that. We met yesterday. We'll keep you posted as that process unfolds as hopefully quickly as God's timing allows for it. Today, a little teaching. How's that? Should we end the year with just... And I'm grateful today uh, for the book that Eugene Peterson wrote in, uh, on the book of Revelation called Reverse Thunder. It's a great book. If you haven't read any other book about the book of Revelation, pick up Eugene Peterson's Reverse Thunder. Uh, that'll get you down the road quite a, quite a distance as well. A number of weeks ago, uh, gosh, probably two, Alfredo and I were sitting in my office. And uh, I said, you know, Alfredo, I've, I've been... I've been really thinking about PPC. It's, a, it's 106 years old. And uh, he said, yeah, that's pretty crazy. And uh, or he might have said it with a little different accent. Yeah, man, that's really crazy. Uh, and I said, but I can really, but let's do the math on that for a minute. Right, so 54 times 106. And then I, and then I asked Marilyn just this last week, was, didn't, wasn't there uh, a number of years where there were two services? She says, like, yeah, she's like, there's, there was 25 years where we had two services. So I, I quickly do all the math in my head, and I realize over the last 106 years, this is highly scientific, by the way, we have hosted, PPC has hosted roughly 7,128 worship services. Okay, well, that's just a cool number, but i got to make it real, right? 7,000, that's a big number. And then, I, and then I did a little bit more math, and I'm pretty sure I got it right. You know what 7,128 worship services translates into? That's 19 and a half straight years of PPC hosting a worship service every single day. Is anybody here 19 and a half years old? Is any, yes, would you please stand up? Right here. Every single day of their life. This is kind of cool to me. I don't know why, I'm pretty inspired by this. Every single day of their life, from the moment you showed up to today, this church has hosted a worship service. That's inspiring to me. Now, imagine if that were the only thing we did, even that in and of itself would be really quite spectacular. Now, somewhere along the line, it would really be good to do that because we can give thanks for that and be inspired. These worship services over the last 19 and a half years got me thinking, what exactly have we been doing every single day for the last 19 and a half years? Maybe it's worth diving in just a little bit more to see what we've actually been doing for those 20 years. What are these thin places really all about? What do they look like? What are we entering into? Because we do it every day for 20 years. That's been our rhythm. So first of all, you know, worship, worship, what is it? Worship. What is worship? I magnify, I make God bigger. 
perhaps, could be one of the most simplistic definitions of worship. We talk about magnify a lot, make God bigger, perhaps ourselves a bit smaller so that God's position in our life is enlarged. Because there's no other fact that can be contested than this. We really are a church that encounters God in worship. And when we encounter God in worship, we grow deeper as disciples of Christ. And the deeper we go in worship and in discipleship, the more powerfully and profoundly we're sent out as apostles, missionally. That seems to be the general rhythm of this place. Now, I want to read a text in Scripture, and it's a little lengthy, Revelation 4 and 5. And I'm intentionally not going to put the words on the screen because I don't want you to read it. I'd like for you to hear it. And not only do I want you to hear it, I, I ask, I invite you to imagine it even more fully. So we're going to make a move from reading it to hearing it to imagining it. We want to hear it so that we can imagine it. Okay? And just get lost in this text. And as I'm reading this text, look at these four or five different implications that worship has in our life. Notice, worship is going to center us. Worship is going to gather us. Worship is going to reveal. Worship is going to sing. And worship is going to affirm. Notice those five themes as you're imagining this text unfold in a thin place where heaven and earth are hard to discern the difference between the two. God's Word. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had heard hurt. Oh boy. This could be a long time if I, if I read the whole thing like that. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet. Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit. And there before me was a throne in heaven. And someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. A rainbow resembling an emblem encircled the throne. And surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. And seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. And these are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like an ox. The second was like a lion. The third had the face of a human, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around. Sounds like a Netflix show. And under the wings... There were even eyes. Day and night, they never stopped saying, here it is, the first, the first hymn of the text. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is 
and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worships him who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns down before the throne. And they say, hymn number two, song number two, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and praise, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on it. The writing had was written on both sides, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw, I saw, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside. I wept. And I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. And then, then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David? He has triumphed. He's able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb. Looking as if it had been slain. Standing in the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, they fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. They made one up. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, all of them, in a loud voice they sang another song. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard, Every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing. I love this. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Ever. And four living creatures said, Amen. And they all fell down and they worshiped. 
the reading of God's Word. So this is a thin place. It's a, it's a moment in Scripture where we get to tear the veil, pull the curtain back between what we can see and what's not seen. And we get a glimpse into what we can't see. For the last 19 and a half years, over the course of 106 years, we've been gathering together to participate in this amazing scene. And this scene goes on and 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 on. I think there are five implications for us as we end a year and we catapult into a new year because this is always pulling us forward with hope. Right? Notice, first of all, that that worship centers. Worship centers all things, people, creatures, nations, tribes, ethnicities, economics, things in the water and in the air and in the ground. Spiritual beings are centered in this throne where Father, Son, and Holy Spirit sit. So I want you to get really imaginative now and imagine that cosmic throne as the text was trying to to absorb us into this. That cosmic throne, that place centers every single one of us, past, present, and future. Even the things that we like to get rid of on our face, the little mosquitoes. All of creation is centered in this. All of humankind is centered in this. All of created animals are centered in this. All created spiritual beings are centered by this. Every single time we come into this place, we are being catapulted into the center of that realm. Whether we realize it or not. A throne brings to us authority. Worship centers us in God. In the book of Revelation, this word throne appears in all but six chapters. It's a primary theme. Worship centers all of the cosmos. Even now, as we're understanding through Hubble how far and deep and wide and mysterious the cosmos actually is. God's calling and saying, check out this guy. This is important. (laughs) So if worship centers, notice what else it's doing. It gathers us. Worship gathers people. Look around the room. It gathered us here today. Would we normally gather together? Come on. The person, you know, three rows behind you, would you go hang out with them? You know, it's a metaphor. (laughs) Three rows in front of you, would you hang out with them? Of course not. We're not going to hang out with everybody in this room. But worship, with God at the center, gathers all people to that center. And it's not just happening in this tiny little building. It's happening next door. It's happening 
in every time zone around the planet. It's, 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 it's censoring everyone and everything. Human beings, plants and animals, spiritual beings are still being centered. And in that centering, being gathered and brought to that center. Doesn't that blow your mind? This is what we've been doing for 20 years. The 12 tribes in the text means the First Testament. The 12 disciples means the Second Testament. These four creatures, the lion, which is the noblest and the mightiest of all wild animals, is being gathered to the center. Human beings, the wisest of all creation, they're being gathered and brought to the center. The eagle, the swiftest of the birds, is being gathered and brought to the center. Everything natural and spiritual are being gathered and brought to the center. Even colors is being brought to light and gathered to the center. So worship centers us. It gathers us cosmically. And it reveals. Worship reveals. Worship opens up new dimensions into the realities of the way God is at work in our life. In the text, there's this opening in the scroll, the lamb that is worthy after the, beep, the bitter weeping from John because no one was able to open the scroll. But there is someone able to open the scroll, Jesus the Christ. And he opens it, and he reads the gospel, and he invites all people that have been gathered to that center to hear what God is up to in the world. It's not an emotional, sentimental heart that escapes the created earth, nor are there theological flights of intellectual escapism. It's not about how I feel. It's not about me disappearing in my own mind. It's not about me looking for a spiritual buzz. In fact, a spiritual buzz is a predatory self needing to get something. That's not what's happening here, right? This center gathers us and reveals God's way in the world and in the cosmos, seen and unseen. So worship is a strong commitment to what's happening right now, preaching and teaching and speaking and unveiling and revealing. Now when this center gathers and reveals, notice what happens. It can't contain itself. It really can't contain itself. It's just so excited. I, 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 I got to go do something. Well, it sings. Worship sings. Because it can't be contained. There's singing all the way through the book of Revelation. All the way through. There's five songs that I just read to you in chapters four and five. The first and the second song are about God the Creator. The third and fourth song are about Christ the Redeemer. The fifth song is sung to the Creator and the Redeemer. There's a whole heck of a lot of singing in what I just sung or slash read. I should have had you sing this. That would have been cool. Well, maybe next time. And notice, it's, it's, it seems like it might be made up on the spot. Notice how short it all is. They're not six 
stanzas of a hymn. There's no right way or wrong way to sing. It's, it's just, it's God-centered because God gathers, because God reveals. And the only response we have is to say thank you, and we let it all out. We just let it all out. And the call to worship this morning was fascinating because it says, encourage one another in all songs and hymns, sorry, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another. There's all kinds of singing that goes on when worship is unleashed. That's what we've been doing for 20 years. And lastly, worship affirms, my friend. Worship affirms. You've got to look at that very last line. They all said amen. And they fell down and they continued to worship. Amen. Now amen's a weird word because we don't really know exactly what it means. <laughs> we say it a lot. I've heard people call amen and define it by saying it's truth. That's the way it is. Eugene Peterson I, I, I like perhaps the most. It's a modern day thing. He goes, yes! Yeah! Right? You know, for an athlete, and you're down two to one on the bottom of the ninth, and your, your teammate hits a two-run home run, what's your response? Yes! Yeah! Right? In worship, it affirms us. Because God says yes to you and I. And we say yes to God. So much so, and hear this, if you hear nothing else, hear this. God's yes to us and our yes to God means that our lives are absorbed as we're affirmed, as we sing, as Christ is revealed, as we're gathered to the center, our lives are absorbed by the center. Not the other way around. Our lives become absorbed in God's. Not my experiential emotional self become buzzed off of a certain feeling of being close to God. It's backwards. The self is no longer the hub of reality. God is the hub of reality. In worship, true worship, the stuff we've been about for 19 and a half years out of the last 106 years is saying no to a predatory ego that doesn't pull everything into itself Everything of oneself is pulled to the center. <laughs> That's worship. That's why there's a communal affirmation at the very end of this that says, quite simply, yes. You ever said that before with gusto? You ever done that? Have you ever done it in church? 
No, you haven't. You haven't done that in church. We're going to today. You stand up with me? If you believe this, if you believe this thin place, that this is what we've been about for the last 19 and a half years, over the 106 years, if you believe it, say yes. yes. All right, one more time, because that was a really good warm-up. Say yes. yes. All right, thanks be to God. I saw that. That's, I owe you lunch, man. Let's pray. Thanks for saying yes to us, God, and Jesus Christ. We say yes to you. Forgive us when we make it about absorbing and getting as much of you and a buzz of you as we can. It's backwards. It's wrong. We want to be absorbed into your very presence, into your very will, into what makes you happy, into what pleases you into what sounds you like to hear. Because as I read this text, perhaps that's worship unleashed. In your name we pray.